Real Black Consciousness Real Forum. Black Consciousness Real Black Forum. Consciousness Forum. Now, if you want to talk about uh, guns, why is it that there's a gun shop on almost every corner in this community? Why? Tell you why. For the same reason that there's a liquor store on almost every corner in the black community. Why? They want us to kill ourselves. You go out to Beverly Hills, you don't see that shit. But they want us to kill ourselves. Yeah, the best way you can destroy a people, you take away their ability to reproduce themselves. Who is it that's dying out here on these streets every night? Y'all. After the, this, the story came out, he said, Farrakhan, you say we owe you? We don't owe you nothing. You owe us. He said, I'm sending you the bill for us Jews that started the NAACP and the money that we spent organizing you people's marches for justice and jobs, which you don't have now and never did have. Damn, I mean, look at that God. He gonna send me the bill. Y'all all right? <laughs> this is serious. Did you know that the Jews that set up the NAACP, Julius Rosenthal, Lillian Wald, Rabbi Emil G. Hirsch, Rabbi Stephen Wise, and the chairman was Joel Spingon. And Spingon was the author of an anti-economic philanthropy specifically designed for black causes. Spingon said that the policy of the NAACP would be non-economic liberalism. So that's why the NAACP has never started a big business. Because the Jews finance it. And you can fight, you know, no, you hear, but here's the way you Negroes gotta fight. You fight for the right to vote. You fight to desegregate the lunch counters, the hotels, so we can have access to money that we didn't have access to under segregation. So break down the bars. Come on, Negroes. Come on and march. Sit in, kneel in, wade in. Come on, Negroes. So now you can go to the Marriott, but who owns it? You can go to the Hilton. You can go to the fine restaurants, but who owns it? You can go to the supper clubs, but who owns it? Welcome to Real Black Consciousness Forum Podcast. This is Big VJ checking in. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about some history, right? We're going to talk about a so-called black organization, right? And then we're going to talk about the small hats that founded this organization, controlled and ran this organization. And this organization in question is called the NAACP, right? 
the NAACP beloved it never was never will or never is going to be a black owned controlled and ran organization right so yeah beloved we're going to have that conversation right how about that you know you know beloved um if you get a chance there's a powerful interview there's a powerful lecture there's a powerful statement made by the brother minister farrakhan as he is talking about Kyrie, and he's talking about our brother yay right and um you know during the video the brother minister says as he's talking about and he's talking to the small hat community he says see we know you <laughs> we know you and then he says you know that we know you right it's important beloved that not only do you know yourself it's also important that you know your enemy and the history of your enemy right when you look at the history of small hats beloved everywhere they have gone and lived and occupied eventually the people of that nation that statehood that cityhood put them out I don't care where you go across the globe I'm talking about from 00 AD all the way up to today everywhere they have gone they've been kicked out France Naples aka Southern Italy Switzerland Hungary Haiti Yemen England Portugal the city of Rome back in the day Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him he put them out of Medina no matter what century you put them in I can assure you beloved <laughs> I can show you where the people of that nation put them out, right? So, beloved, we got an organization called the NAACP. It was created in the early 1900s, right? And this was a time immediately after Ulysses Grant put them out of certain states. He banned them from Tennessee. He banned them from Mississippi. He banned it from Kentucky because they just always got their hand in some shit running it illegal hooch and goddamn running hot cotton in the war zone. And but you know, if you ask them, beloved, that it's jealousy. Oh, we're the chosen people, and it's just people are jealous and envious, envious of us, and this is why they do what they do, right? <laughs> it's like uh it's like beloved, it's like uh having children in school, right? K through 12 and you know as parents we're going to always ride for our children we're going to always support our children but you know 
every single class year you go i'm talking about every single year every single class and grade every single teacher always have a pro first grade second grade third grade fourth grade like wait a minute we love you son and daughter <laughs> we gonna support you but all these teachers is ain't ganging up on you you must beloved you must be doing something right so, you know, beloved, this is why Big Mama say, you know, Mama says a good name, a good name is better than gold. Your reputation precedes you, right? So if you're going somewhere on a journey or as a visit, if you're going as a guest, your name will beat you there, Right? So let's go back, right? Let's go back to the late 1800s, right? Let's talk about a time, late 1800s, up until the 1900s when the NAACP was birthed, right? So in the late 1800s, you had some rioting. It was going on in Russia, right? And you see, beloved, that the small hatch is there. So you start to see some moving around. You start to see them leave from russia and then you see them pop up later in eastern europe right and then from eastern europe you see some moving around and then you begin to see them migrate into north america in large numbers right now when they get to north america in these large numbers they begin to create committees and organizations so they can be protected right so you see the American Jewish Committee was founded in 1906, right? And then you see the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League. It was formed in 1913, you know. And then some years after that, you start to see the American Jewish Congress was formed in 1918. So, you know, beloved, you got these organizations are popping up because this group is always underneath the threat of violence right so i'm going to show you how beloved day when they come into a place cityhood statehood nationhood they have this thing of they kind of play both sides of the coin right they, they it's a double game that they play so in america they play the double game as because they got a background in eastern europe you know what i'm saying they classify themselves as so-called white, right? On the paperwork, they classify as white. But because of their religious identity, they also classify as the minority. And it depends on, you know, which way the wind blows, do they pick, you know, which one they're going to identify by. Because, see, beloved, in order for you as a group to identify as a religion, that's called ethno-religious. That means that you subscribe to a religion that comes with the tribe that comes with the culture right that comes with the it's all that the it's a people group associated with it so this is why they can identify themselves by that and again that's called ethno-religious it's like so for an example it'd be like um you know uh our brothers and sisters that's in hinduism that's an example of ethno-religious uh, the small hats being the representation of Judaism 
that's ethno religious right uh let's see if i can get a, a better example though beloved um all right all right in the wilderness of north america beloved we have the amish you know what i mean that's uh you see what i'm saying so beloved being that they identify and they play both sides of the coin it doesn't change your reputation because they have ruined their reputation so it's get it gets tricky when you have people dealing and being involved with them right so let's talk about a case because they got these let's go back a little bit because I want to talk about the Leo Frank case and I want to tie that into the committees they start to form in the early 1900s, right? It's a small hat. If you do the research, his name is Leo Frank, right? And what happened with Leo Frank is, um, you know, he was in the presence of a so-called white girl. She was maybe 14, 15. She was something like teenage years. And she died at the hands of violence by Leo Frank. Some say it was strangulation. Some say it was beating. It was, you know, but it's safe to say that she died at the hand of violence, right? Well, if you look at the Leo Frank case, the witness that bust the thing wide open, right? Pause. Was a brother. He was a black man. He was a janitor. And because he took the witness stand and he pointed out Leo as the last person that this woman was with, they put Leo in jail, right? Now, I just want to paint a picture for you because, you know, I just want to, we don't, we're talking today, but we're talking history. So I got to, I got to set up the backdrop for you. We're talking, beloved, about the early 1900s, right? A black man. You know what I'm saying? For all intents and purposes, Leo Frank is he's going to identify on the paperwork as a so-called white man. So you just got to think they allow a black man to testify against a so-called white man and they honored his word. Now, you got to think this is the days and time, beloved, that you talking about you pointing out a devil that shit, they might get the rope and put the rope on you. You know what I'm saying? You ain't not allowed. <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. But I'm showing you a classism shift. Where these folks ruined their reputation so bad that the court system would take the word of a black man over him. He's saying he didn't do it. The brother said, no, you did it. <laughs> and the court system listened to him. So they put Leo Frank in jail. And while he's in jail, you're dealing with the devil and they say that's not enough. No, that, that ain't enough. You know what I'm saying? He did this to a white girl, and no, that's not enough. So what the the white mob end up doing is they got together and they broke into the prison, right? Dig that. And they pulled Leo Frank ass up out of there. And they put their rope on his neck. And you know, the devil. He do what he do best. You know what I'm talking about? All right. All right. So that's that. We see this group once again falling underneath the threat of violence, right? Their reputation is ruined. Now everybody here is against them and we see how this is going to go. 
So what happened is there was a mastermind, beloved. His name is Julius Rosenwald, and he needed some laws to be changed. He had the money, but he just needed some laws to be changed. He wanted to put some anti-lynching laws into effect. And, you know, he wanted to put things in place that could protect his people. But he can't use his people, the small hats, because their reputation is ruined. So what does Rosenwald do, right? And he is beloved. He is indeed a small hat mastermind. He financed and founded and created an organization called the NAACP. How do we know Rosenwald? Rosenwald, Rosenwald, that name, beloved. He was a small hat, American businessman. And there was a point in this country's history, he was the richest man in the wilderness of North America. He was the richest man in the United States. Because, beloved, he owned a company called Sears. That's where we know Rosenwald. He's the role in the Sears and Roebuck, right? So Julius Rosenwald, along with Herbert, along with Samuel, along with Mary, they got together and financed and put together an organization called the NAACP. And when they put it together, beloved, there was no black folks in it. It was just them, right? So once they created this organization, hmm, now they needed to go get them some Negroes now. <laughs> and, you know, here on Real Black Continents Forum Podcast, beloved, we show that anytime that we are amongst these folks, there is a reoccurring thing. They have this way of they just it's a strategy, beloved. They put us in the front. Right. We always in the front of everything they got going on. But when you look in the back. Behind that curtain, the movers, the shakers, the finances is them. So they went out, beloved, and they found a brother to be the face of their organization. And this brother was named William Du Bois. He in the village is more affectionately known as W.E.B. Du Bois. And W.E.B. Du Bois was already in the black organization. He was already in the organization for the brothers and sisters. W.B. Du Bois, as a professor out of Atlanta, he belonged to a group called the Niagara Movement, right? And again, this group is, you know, full of brothers and sisters. And when they got, all got together nationwide, there was about 700 and 800 deep. But even though you may have some good numbers, when the small hats show up, you know, naturally, they don't need all of y'all. They don't need all of us. They just need the brightest ones. So they chose W.E.B. And they built the NAACP around him. You know, again, beloved, just going back and just, you know, we have to give credit where credit is due. They have the ability as a small hat community. When I say they can pick the brightest from amongst us. See, they kind of understand well I can't say they kind they, they do understand you know they understand the power of influence and that's something that people no matter what nationality or ethnic group that you belong to or race the power of influence is something that's it's bestowed upon you by the great spirit and they gotta 
they got a way of always pointing out the one that's amongst us, whether male or female, that have the power of influence on them. And they take that influence, though, beloved, and they put it out in the front and they use it for their bidding. You know what I'm saying? They got that power to do that. That's a good strategy they use politically, socially, when they're creating so-called grassroots organizations, when they are in the world of entertainment. They figured out how to pick the person that has the spirit of influence on them. Because you can be talented, beloved. I, I can be talented. You know what I mean? I can be, if I'm an entertainer, if I'm a singer, I make a scene out of this world. I make it be a great songwriter, but if I don't have the power of influence on me, nobody's going to listen to me, right? So it may be easy, right, beloved? It may be easier if if I write a song for Drake, (laughs) because that's how it works. Some of these, some of these singers, yeah, they can sing. It's the power of influence. So again, I may have a better chance of writing a song for Drake. Then Drake has writing a song for me because it's obvious that he has the spirit of influence on him. Beyonce don't have to be a great songwriter. She got the spirit of influence on her. You know what I'm saying? It's just so they watch that amongst our people. They get next to the people, the kings of the world. You know what I'm saying? The, the Elijah Cummings, they know how to get next to the ones amongst us that got that spirit on them. Right. But you know, beloved Big Mama, you know, she gave us a game. She taught us the rule. When stuff is being put together and stuff being made, Mama said, well, there's the golden rule. And what is the golden rule? He who has all the gold makes the rule. So who has all the gold at the NAACP? Who got the gold? Because there was, you know, there was some small hats financing it, but somebody got to be the big dog. It's Rosenwald. Rosenwald was the main donor. He put up the money for the NAACP. He put up the money for the legal work. He put up the money for the general operating expenses, right? So then when they began to start building chapters around the nation, he put up the money to put up that chapter in Chicago. And then he put himself on the board. But they still building the organization. They still got to put certain pieces together. They still got to put what they call their talent because they're going to they got to get everybody in the back lined up and then they're going to get you and our people in the front lined up. So they went out and they found the guy that can work in the back. His name was Joel Spingarn, right? He graduated from Columbia University. He was born in New York City. But it's interesting because, beloved, he had a background in army, military intelligence. So now one would have to ask himself or herself, damn, why would the NAACP have a small hat, right? That was military intelligence, but he was a chairman on the board. If you need an answer, beloved, our brother Marcus Garvey, he gave us an answer. He said that them folks was put in place to spy on our people. They was just all spies. They were just there to collect data and use us for their bidding. That's all because how can the NAACP be a black organization, but they didn't even have their first black president of the organization until 1975. That doesn't make any sense. But what the NAACP was used for, it was our energy, our frequency 
our spirit of influence out in the front, but they're in the back moving and channeling our direction. And it always turned out it it worked in their favor all the time. When they call themselves fighting laws, they will fight the law, they will win the case, and it will somehow end up always working in their favor, not our favor. We may benefit a little bit, but the lion's share of the winnings that always went to them. Beloved, I don't know if you guys know this, right? Do you know that the NAACP was used to lobby the United Nations for the state of Israel? Beloved, did y'all know that? Did you know that? They used the NAACP to lobby the United Nations for the state of Israel. And when that small hat, David Guron, the head of the Jewish agency, he proclaimed the establishment of the state of Israel in 1948. Every time from that, that point on, when the small hats and the state of Israel, they had some conflict with the Palestinians and something needed to be addressed. They would put the black face up from the NAACP to talk about that issue on their behalf. You know, it doesn't matter how big the nation of America may have a conflict. The NAACP wasn't there to speak on the nation's conflicts or things that black folks was going through. No, no, no. You get out and speak about things that's important to us. That's how it worked. It, the NAACP was never for black folks. And anytime they won something or won a case, when you look behind, because you got to give credit where credit is due. The problem with black folks is that we have a weekend, weekend, weekend mentality. Month to month to month mentality. It doesn't go any further than that. You know what I'm saying? It's hard for our people to plan a goddamn family trip. 30 people going to sign up for the damn family trip for next year. And every month you get close to the family trip, less and less people can make it because we just got that weekend, weekend, the month, the month mentality. When you're dealing with Devil's Beloved, they know how to see into the future. They're looking 25 years down the line. They're looking 50 years down the line. And that's a mental vibration that we got to get ourselves on. And what kind of distract us a little bit is that we got a religious background that talks so much about, you know, your pie in the sky. And when you get to the grave, you know, you're going to get you a mansion and the streets going to be paved with gold. And we get so wrapped up into that, that you can't handle business for your descendants that's living here. But maybe all that is a different story for a different day. When America got conflicts and they got issues. The NAACP, again, is only there to speak about the interests of small hats, right? So listen, you know, during the time of war, when the Vietnam was going on, right? The Vietnam was a very, it was a hot topic at this time because, beloved, every black grassroots organization in the country was against Vietnam. Every famous black celebrity was against Vietnam. If there was a singer, dancer, didn't matter, boxer, Muhammad Ali was a he was very vocal, he was against it. The entire nation of Islam was against it. The Black Panther Party was against Vietnam. You had all kinds of students and government officials and labor unions and church groups. I mean everybody was against Vietnam. Hell look at what Vietnam did to us. 31% of the combat forces in Vietnam was blacks. 
So you, it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure it out. If you just do the, it's the simple man. If we 12% of a population of a nation that we are, yet you're 31% of the combat forces in war, that just doesn't add up. So we need our organization that's the biggest, the strongest, the oldest to speak for us. So where's the NAACP? They don't have a comment on that. And then right after that, when there is a small hat Palestinian conflict, boom, they go put one of us out in front. Preferably Roy Wilkins. Roy, go get a statement and get out there and make it happen. <laughs> so you got the NAACP. They running around speaking about and protesting Soviet Union anti-Semitism. Huh? They talking about expanding immigration to accommodate wartime refugees. Huh? This is the shit y'all be talking about? To this very day, they got 2,200 units across the nation. Our people is just talking about reparations talk, reparations talk. Where's the NAACP? What they talking about? Is they talking about reparations talk? When our people talking about police shootings and goddamn the devil keeps shooting unarmed black men here and there. Anybody seen the NAACP? Where they at? When you have an income disparity, where's the NAACP? Goddamn, who's the face of the NAACP now? You don't even, goddamn, the small hats use you up so much. We don't even see you out here doing nothing no more. But that's how it goes. You're not there for your people's conflict. You're here for their people's conflict. If you got something going on in your, no, it don't matter in your community. You, you can't use that outfit to speak up for your brothers and sisters overseas that's going through some shit when apartheid was going on back in the day. And all the black militant groups are talking about apartheid in South Africa. The small hats are standing with the devil over there. So how do you, that's how that works. You're not there for, it's their organization. It's not yours. You got local issues in America. Every time you look at some kind of case that the NAACP was fighting, right? They're, it's it always end up working out for the small hats. They, look, the NAACP is fighting to get rights for housing. They're against housing discrimination. And you should be able to live in any community that you want, right? And they're telling this to the federal government, and they're right. Any apartment or condo or any place that you want, and they're right. And they're telling this to the federal government. And the NAACP put their, their lawyers up to fight for these rights, which is correct. But the lawyers, you know, the NAACP lawyers, they're small hands, but they're fighting on your behalf, right? So then, beloved, when they win these cases for housing rights, then you leave out from wherever you are to go because you got your new rights now. And when you move into these communities, boom, you start to see them. They're your landlord when, when you get there. They fight for your housing rights. You get them. When you go into these communities and these homes, they're your landlord. When you go into these apartments, they're your landlord. You say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> For decades, they always play our people on getting finance, the access to finances to get a home, to get a car, to get something. You can't, I mean, damn, we got to get access. We can't do nothing, but that's all right. The NAACP, they're going to go fight for you, beloved. They're going to make sure it happened that you get access to capital. And then when you fight and you fight through the NAACP, they put their lawyers up. They win the case. It's right. You should be able to have that access. It's, I agree with that. You're an American citizen. I agree with that. 
And then when you go to the bank to get that loan that you just now got the right to get, they own the bank. <laughs> when you go to the car lot to get your car, they own the car. <laughs> oh, they got so slick now. We don't need the bank no more. We self-finance. <laughs> They use your struggle to get rich. It's the classic case of putting you in the front. And they in the back. Beloved, if we got to have somebody fight for us. Our organization. They got to have black and brown members. Black and brown agenda. And they got to be. It got to be fueled with black and brown dollars. But you got to you got to know your history because you can see it coming. When you see how they do things, you can just put your OK, this is what they do. We can wait on it. It's almost like, um, you know, uh, it's an old gangster film. Not Goodfellas, not Goodfellas. It's the other one. Uh, Cologelo. Cologelo was in uh, Cologelo was in Bronxdale. You know what I mean? Uh, Bronx Tale is a, a Robert De Niro film. I think it was a story loosely based on his life, and he was talking about how he always, uh, you know, De Niro always uh, dealt with black women. But that's that's not a big deal. That's what Italians do anyway. That's why they have uh, Sicilians have a. Uh, that's why they call them guineas, because they don't really can. They had to fight and earn the title to be called white, because when they came from Southern Italy, there's they was already mixed up with the northern africans right but maybe look that's a different story for a different day there was a part in the film i'm talking about i think it's called the bronx tale if i'm not mistaken it's, it is the bronx tale it's a uh it's a guy called mushed you know what i mean he's been mushed and mush was a guy that you know he was uh he was hard luck so no matter what they did if it was shooting dice if it was betting on a racehorse or a dog of some sort at the track, right? If they had the winning ticket in their hand, if they seen that Mush join himself to that ticket or join himself to the dice game and he bet with you, as long as he was anywhere in the environment with you, you were going to lose. You wasn't going to win. You were mushed, right? That's how I see uh, black organizations, you know, when you start to look at the organization, you start to look good and you see them in the back financing and all this, you say, we've been mushed. <laughs> <laughs> Their organization ain't gonna go nowhere. <laughs> it's not gonna do shit for black folks. Hey, beloved, can you just think back a few years ago? Look how strong BLM was looking. Black Lives Matter. Look, the strong. I mean, they had chapters all over the nation. You know what I mean? They had their shirts on. And it looked like they were just standing up for this. And they were standing up for that. They was for our people. And then you looked in the back. <laughs> when you seen and when we seen who was in the back of the organization, I said, God damn, we've been mushed. This goddamn organization ain't finna go nowhere. So when you start to see black men kill black men, they wasn't there. They were absent. You didn't see them. If a so-called devil, uh, well, pardon me on that phrase, beloved. I'm tripping. He ain't the so-called devil. He the devil. When the devil killed one of our people, 
so-called white man killed one of our people. The media is everywhere. And then we have a mega case. Atlanta rapper belonged to a group called the Migos, one of the biggest rap groups on, I mean, literally on the top side of God Green Earth. Takeoff loses his life. You would think there's going to be something that the Black Lives Matter organization is going to jump all over because nobody got they have they don't have any answers. It's 50 fucking people in a room and somebody gets shot in front of 50 fucking people and nobody knows what happened. Right. So I'm like, I mean, this is that damn David Copperfield on another level. All right. We waiting for the Black Lives Matter organization to show up and they're going to get this thing rectified for the people. Do you see him? Don't see him. Young Dolph, Memphis gets shot. They're going to throw protests, stop the violence. They're going to get this thing because they're always uh, raising money. People just donate money to these folks and they're going to stand up for our cause. Do you see them? Don't see them. Black Lives Matter, right? All these income disparities, they're going to stand up for that. They're going to get our people together. Do you see them? Don't see them. Kyrie Irving is in the news. And they're not, they're mistreating our brother. We know they just doing way too much, but that's okay. We got a nationwide organization that's going to stand up for our cause. Do you see Black Lives Matter about that? Because they're going to go out there and fight our fight. Do you see them? Don't see them. Why you don't see them? Look in the back. We've been mushed. (laughs) You know, when them folks start putting up money to finance something business folks like a good return your progress is not the return that they're looking for their progress is the term that they're looking for when they finance you but you know like we said on this podcast beloved that's all of that is all and beloved David is uh David is on his way in. How about that, right? So, you can't stand for us unless you're founded by us, controlled and ran by us, and most importantly, financed by us. Because only we, as a people, is going to take ourselves to our own liberation. How about that, beloved? Peace and black power to your family. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for hanging out. Beloved, this is indeed the Real Black Contest Forum Podcast. This is your brother, Big VJ. I'll get it with you guys later. Peace. Real Black Consciousness Real Forum. Black Consciousness Real Black Forum. Consciousness Forum. If you want to talk about uh, guns, why is it that there's a gun shop on almost every corner in this community? Why? Tell you why. For the same reason that there's a liquor store on almost every corner in the black community. Why? They want us to kill ourselves. You go out to Beverly Hills, you don't see that shit. But they want us to kill ourselves. Yeah, the best way you can destroy a people, you take away their ability to reproduce themselves. Who is it that's dying out here on these streets every night? Y'all, y'all, y'all.